Hello, I'm Gail Gibson, accredited master coach, speaker, author, and podcaster. Welcome to my podcast, The Can Do Way. My guests from across the globe have can-do stories of growth, resilience, and success to share. Tune in and be inspired by these individuals who have developed a strong can-do approach. Each one of their stories is unique. Each one of their stories has a key message. In this episode of The Can-Do Way, I'm talking to Lorraine Allman, author, educator, and international consultant at Can-Do Child, a company she started eight years ago to help parents raise happy children with a can-do mindset and skills for life through easy, everyday, screen-free play. Author of three best-selling books, Lorraine has over 20 years business experience working both in the UK and internationally, in particular the Middle East, where she helped launch the first early years excellence in practice for the MENA region, now a global annual event. Lorraine volunteers on the board of Young Enterprise and for the last seven years has been a volunteer role model for the Welsh Assembly Government's Big Ideas Wales Youth Entrepreneurship Initiative. She lives in South East Wales and has one son aged seven who became the UK's youngest successful crowd funder. Welcome to the show today, Lorraine. Thanks, Gail. Great to be here. You know, just before we go on to your first question, Lorraine, I want to share with the the listeners the fact that you and I are both of the same can-do mindset. So it's an absolute joy for me today to hear your story and to just find out where that that can-do mindset and that that impulse for it came from in the work that you do. So let's get started then. If we can take a short walk through your life and if you can give us a glimpse of your background and how you arrived at helping children develop a can-do mindset and these valuable skills for life. Oh, thank you, Gail. I think, um, yeah, it's working out quite where to start in my life, really. (laughs) Um, I could go back many, many years, but I think Probably in terms of starting off your listeners, I'd say before I um, became a parent myself, um, I'd worked for actually many years in in education. Um, So there was always a a kind of connection there with with education anyway. But then I moved into um, the business world, which is a a bit of another story about um, challenges and risks and making big leaps and things like that, which I'm more than happy to talk about um, at some point. But um, I ran a, a tech company. Uh, for for several years and then moved on to several projects involving um, the arts and arts education for um, young people so you know it's quite um quite a circuitous route I suppose you could say in terms of how I ended up where um where I am now um I think as someone who wasn't um a natural entrepreneur we were just talking about this a minute ago you know there's no one in my family who had ever run a business um before that's that's what I mean by not being a, a natural entrepreneur um I was interested in how children and young people sort of learn the skills and characteristics to be entrepreneurial or enterprising and I remember before my son was born noticing how at the time very 
few sort of schools were engaging in, you know, what we call sort of enterprise learning of any kind. And those that were often sort of viewed it as a bolt on, if you like, to sort of, you know, academic curriculum. And I was also interested in looking at how children could be supported at home to nurture their enterprise and skills and, and characteristics. And again, I looked at the research. That's that's my kind of approach to things, really, um, to do the research. Um, and saw there was very little support for parents in that area. So I began to formalise my own research on it and actually working on my first book. And I suppose that's really where everything sort of started. And I think it was probably around about when my son was four, that I noticed how conversations with him had begun to change. So simple questions, observations and activities. And, you know, if I'm absolutely honest about this, I think our time together became a little bit more interesting. Um, and I realised that if we tap into the opportunities that sort of surround us in the everyday, we can use those to help our children become better able to do things like problem solving and being resourceful and resilient and working well with others. And, you know, all those sort of skills that we need to sort of get on in, in life, really, whatever we're, you know, whatever we're doing in life. And I finally finished my research, wrote it up and was fortunate to secure a publishing contract, which enabled me to get that work finished and out into the big wide world, which was um, very exciting. And I know you know, they say everyone has a book in them. And as it turns out, as you've just mentioned, I have quite a few books in me. <laughs> so um, my, my second book, Can Do Charge, was published with uh, the same company, uh, Rethink Press. And then last summer during the first lockdown here in the UK, um, I decided to have a go at self-publishing as well. And, you know, it's it's quite interesting in terms of the the, the um the phrasing, you know, can can do charge because originally, uh, you know, my first book and my first business that, that with this was called Enterprising Child, um, and what I found was that every time I was talking to someone about my work, they understood it to be that it was about helping children learn about business skills, and that was just the way in which entrepreneurship and enterprising skills and so on was being presented particularly in the media you know and, and certain sort of programs that that people were watching and so I had to constantly unpack that um, and say no 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 it isn't about that it's about helping children be happy and resourceful and resilient and having a, a mindset so that they can you know focus on what they can do rather than what they can't do um, and it just it sort of reached the stage where you know, uh, frankly, I was getting fed up of having to kind of unpack it and thinking this, this just isn't working, you know, in terms of a name. And every time I kept hearing myself saying it's about focusing on what children can do, not on what they can't do. And in a way, it just it was just a natural progression, really. Uh, we had external investment in, in the company. And so it enabled a complete rebrand um, to from enterprising child then to um, can do child. And then sort of over the last few years, Candy Child's developed, you know, kind of what we call a sort of toolkit, if you like, of resources, um, not just for parents, but for teachers as well, very popular with teachers to nurture that can-do mindset and those life skills that go with that, um, you know, for children. So, you know, we have an app and activity cards and you know all sorts of things like that and as as you also said in the introduction we you know focus primarily on play that is also away from screens um to help children and families connect better not not just 
with each other but also with the sort of natural environment as well so yeah that's a bit slightly circuitous way but that's really where <laughs> I am <today. laughs> but you know that the whole the whole word enterprising and can do has just been there right from the start you know you said that you're very um, researched focused person to really find out how things actually do work before you presented them in your books etc and in your in your uh, teaching and your son is this very enterprising young person becoming the UK's youngest successful crowdfunder so how do you feel that that being a mother to him and, and watching him develop this can-do mindset has really helped you in delivering the work that you do now oh it's been it's been absolutely essential really I mean um I think all my books are devoted to him you know have the acknowledgement with his name and in some form or other and um I've probably learned more from him than than anything else really and I didn't deliberately set out to to sort of um you know mold this this child you know mm. in, in a particular way at the end of the day I just have a particular kind of parenting style which is about following your child's lead that happens to be also you know one of the sort of tips we talk about within the sort of you know nurturing and raising a can-do child it's very much about following you know what your child does their interests you know where you see the, the sparks and and so on and um I've just you know on re reflection simply done what I've talked about really um you know, in my work. And, and it's just, yeah, it's just really interesting. It's very much followed him. I and mean, he became, as you quite rightly said, the, the youngest successful um, crowdfunder age seven. And it was, you know, that you can you can see that on, online. You know, it's not difficult to, to find that. And you can see him recording his videos. And yes, I had input to that to support him in terms of structure. But then two years later, you know, he said to me, mum, I want to do another I want to raise more money for charity and write another recipe book but I want to do it on my own this time and I was like okay <laughs> um, and, and again following his lead I said well look I'm here if you need me and you know you've got this experience now um he hardly needed me at all which you know is um is a great thing um but um so it's very much about following following you know his lead um in terms of what what he's doing and um you know, it's it's definitely informed my work. As I say, right at the very beginning, you you move those first three years of, of parenthood, particularly are um, you know they're, they're not. You know, I'll be honest, they're not that interesting in terms of. I mean, obviously, if you're very interested in baby psychology and all that kind of thing, obviously, you know, love into bits. But you know, it's quite a, a functional relationship in a lot of ways as mm. well. Certainly, when they're babies, you know. Um, but when you can start to um have those back and forth conversations mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was really for me you know I was doing this research and talking to lots of you know successful entrepreneurs but not about their I wasn't talking to them about their businesses because you know anyone can look that up and say you've got a multi-million pound business that's great how did you build it etc etc what I wanted to know was about their childhoods so, for example, I interviewed Paul Lindley from um, Ellis Kitchen. You know, he's, he's sold Ellis Kitchen since and mm -hmm. run several other businesses, but very, very well-known entrepreneur, lovely, lovely man. And I said to him, look, can we get this out first that I'm not actually going to ask you how you grew a successful business. What I really want to know is what was your childhood like? <laughs> and and um, was there anything within that childhood that sparked that mm -hmm. kind of 
entrepreneurial interest and he went wow do you know I've never been asked that before mm-hmm. um and and that's where my data came from very rich data you know as well as being informed by my own experience of being a parent as well mm, fantastic and that really illustrates the fact that what you uh, have done, what you have learned to do and bring through in the activities, the exercises, the resources that you've built as part of Can Do Child, you're actually walking your talk and your your son is that living and breathing example of that for you. Mm. So let's come, I just want to take a step back. You said at the start that you had an education background and then you stepped into this world of business and as you did share you're not a natural entrepreneur. So tell me about that experience in in the first few years and what were some of the challenges you faced and how did you overcome those with your own can-do mindset? Oh, gosh, yeah, there's some, some big stories in there, really. I suppose um, thinking about the sort of risks I've taken, you know, and and my own sort of resilience, I think making that decision to give up a well-paid and secure job within education um, to move geographically and also to move straight then into self-employment was was a huge risk. You know, it was a a, a massive time in my life. And, you know, some people sort of might say, I don't do things by halves, and that's that's probably true. Um, And there were certainly people I knew who thought I was completely crazy. Um, Interestingly, many of those people who were saying you're completely crazy why are you doing this had never run a business and probably never will Mm -hmm. and so all they saw were the risks they saw that I was giving up everything I was giving up secure job nice house and so on rather than the opportunities which lay ahead and I didn't want to be someone who kind of said you know I wonder what would have happened if if I'd continued working where I was, if I'd not sold the house and moved away. So, you know, that was a really big move and definitely plenty of risk within it. And and that road to um, self-employment wasn't particularly smooth either. You know, I had to work across a lot of freelance contracts. I'd moved from having that wonderful payslip every month to working all hours and still wondering how I was going to be able to pay the bills you know um and one of the companies I set up in the early days the, the tech company was really successful you know we had um external investors and employed lots of people um <clears throat> but actually in the end actually it failed for, for a variety of reasons but um looking back there were definitely risks that were taken that I wouldn't do now in my business but you know hindsight's a wonderful thing right but those insofar as how those experiences of sort of risk taking the the move and 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 the investment in the tech company and so on you know help build resilience I think there's no sort of denying though I mean there were definitely periods of sort of curling up and licking my wounds Mm -hmm. um in terms of how I dealt with that Mm. but for me That's a very necessary part of building that resilience within me. You know, we're not superhuman, we're human. And for most of us, that means taking some time out if we've had a bit of a rough ride, you know, if things haven't sort of worked out. And, you know, it's okay people saying, oh, dust yourself off. But most of us, and definitely me, um, need that, that time, not least you know, for our own well-being to sort of work things through. And, and 
when only when I've done that do I feel that I can really begin to sort of bounce back accept it um and, and move on you know and I think each time we have an experience like that we get better at working things through better and quicker often you know I certainly do in terms of finding you know a way forward and you know in my work I talk with parents about building resilience in children and a key part of that is about letting their children fail you know if they if they never fail then they'll grow up to believe that Mm -hmm. everything goes right first time or it always goes their way and Mm -hmm. that is not how life is you know if they've not learned how to be resilient or what works for them in terms of bouncing back from mistakes they're going to really struggle when one of life's challenges comes along which you know inevitably will yeah most definitely you know a story that springs to mind of you saying that that bouncing back but also spending enough time to actually think about what you learned what how that felt when you were in that time is one of my goddaughters is a mad keen um, skateboarder and I um, link to her and I get to see her out there practicing at various skate parks around where she lives in the UK and I remember from when she was a tiny little one when she got her first skateboard and, you know, the determination, the the amount of time she fell off that skateboard, that then she would have a moment of huge success and she'd be scooting off down the road, pedal, just push, push, push with her foot. And then she'd just sail along the road. And now she's doing jumps and she goes to... Um, she goes to skateboarding camps in the summer holidays and that, and it's a passion that her parents have allowed her to lead, you know, as you were saying before. Mm. But it's about the whole um, she aspires to to be really good at it, and she obviously was watching the Olympics this year and seeing the, the youth. I mean, it was a 13-year-old that won a gold medal, and, oh, and yeah. she's in that same age bracket. But, you know, it's about, like, winning it's about losing it's about getting back up again it's about mastering those techniques but it all builds that resilience that you were talking about Mm. in that very story there so I think it's it's so important and children children and adults have to do it don't you you can't Mm. you've got to fall down to be able to get back up again yeah absolutely and what you're referring to there as well is about the role models you know Mm. and how children and us as adults as well you know what role models we have in our life to show us you know how to do that or you know to find your way to do that you know um to have that ambition um and want to try again you know not just give up at the first first sort of time when things don't work out I mean Mm -hmm. as I say I you know um you know my my first business you know didn't didn't the tech business didn't work out but then I did go on to build another business and and sold it so you know um it it just yeah you, you, it's about finding the way that that works for you to bounce back and as I say for me it it is about giving myself time to curl up lick my wounds sometimes that is that's been a necessary part of, of building that that resilience for me that may not be for everyone um but it certainly is for me most definitely you know, one of the words that I use quite often in my work as a coach is the word curiosity and, and getting curious. So when you hear that word, how much do you feel that has been um, at the core of who you have become in your business and in your life? And how much do you feel that curiosity plays a part in this whole can-do journey? 
Oh, that's a really good question. Um, yeah, it's really interesting, I suppose, curiosity. Um, I think it's it's certainly been a key element within sort of, you know, my life where I am and, and it's certainly in terms of the work as well. And I think it's about, you know, I, a lot of opportunities sort of come my way, particularly with work, you know, as your work sort of starts to get recognised and, you know, you get a lot of people saying, oh, you know, I'd like to have a chat with you about this or that. And, you know, and I've, I don't think I've ever, ever said no to exploring an opportunity. Um, and a lot of that is about curiosity. I'm curious to know. I wonder, I wonder what they've got to say. Um, I wonder where that might lead. You know, and sometimes it just leads to a really interesting conversation. And that's that. Other times it leads to something amazing. So I'm working with someone now um, in Canada and we're due to launch this amazing new uh, product in, in the new year. Um, and yeah, that was like, wow, <laughs> I'm so glad that I, you know, was curious enough to kind of say yes to have that that sort of conversation you know so I think it's really um it's really sort of central to to who I am um the flip side of that is occasionally um I'm I, it's more difficult for me to say no to things and sometimes <laughs> I find myself kind of taking on way too much um but um and I think in terms of the you know the candy mindset um certainly in terms of um you know, working and, and supporting children, you know, children are naturally curious, um, you know, and a master might want them to stay on a particular sort of trajectory and think, um, you know, it looks like, for example, you get a child who, you know, a parent will say to me, um, I don't understand, they've been, you know, playing the I don't know, the, the clarinet for, for two years, and I thought they were like really into it. Um, and now they've just stopped playing it because they've kind of gone off and looking at something else. That's also curiosity, you know. They've kind of gone, well, okay, maybe maybe it isn't, you know, maybe it's, it's great for them and they do enjoy it, but maybe something's caught their eye over there, over in that corner, you know. Um, and that's, that's curiosity. And, and my advice is always just follow your child's lead, you know, let them, let them explore what it is that's caught their eye you know, because uh, you just never know. I mean, you know, I get asked so often, you know, what, what, what's your son going to do? And I said, mm. do you know what? I have no idea. I mean, well, that's not strictly true. I, I kind of have an inkling around some possible areas. It sounds cliche. What I want is for ultimately for him to be happy in, in what he's doing. I want to be happy with himself and happy with, with what he's doing, what parent doesn't, right? Um, as to what he's actually does with his life, you know, um, I, I don't really know. I've got some inklings, <laughs> but I don't know because who knows where his curiosity is going to take him. Exactly, you know? exactly. And, you know, your son probably doesn't even know at this moment in time. And I think it's one of those Probably when I reflect now, it's an awful question to ask somebody as they're approaching the end of their secondary school days at GCSE level and that, and you just say, well, what are you going to do? And relatives are always mm. saying, oh, what are you going to study? What are you going to do for yes. your whole life? And it's like oh. this generation don't look at whole life work. The, the way that we work and the way that they will work is very, very different to the way that our parents and perhaps some of us worked in the past. There's no jobs mm. for life anymore. And yeah. the mindset has shifted. So asking that question 
of a child at such a young age is is almost um, it's closing the doors of opportunity because, like you say, curiosity opens up adventure. It, it it opens up amazement and wonder, and you know, you never know where it can take you. But when you open that door and you unleash it and go with the flow um, and see where it takes you, it's it's incredible mm. what can happen. Yeah, I think it's changing the the words, you know, as well, mm. because I think and and that mindset and those life skills are what's so, so important and more so than ever for this generation. And I think, you know, moving the question for you, know, what are you going to do to mm. how how would what kind of person would you like to be? You know, it's a much more powerful yes. question to yes. ask and, and probably something that they will have some insight into. Mm. Because, you know, certainly in their teens, you know, they they will, you know, hopefully, you know, we've talked about, you know, when you look at nurturing a candy child, you're looking at skills, but you're also looking at values as well, you know, um, that, that go and looking at, you know, your place in the world and how you can make a difference in that world. So asking that question, you know, what kind of person do you think you'd like to be? you know when you're when you're in your 20s or 30s or whatever it is probably much more likely to get more of a a response or certainly get them reflecting on that than a shrug of shoulders going what what you're going to do don't know you know um so changing that narrative um is really really powerful I think that's a great question you know not just to ask of children but even for people who are perhaps experienced career change who are moving from corporate mm. into becoming entrepreneurs or people who are just at crossroads in their career and just thinking, what do I want my future to look like? And so by saying, well, what kind of person do I want to be? It starts with you, doesn't it? It starts with mm-hmm. the person to actually find out what makes them tick and what what their purpose is and what meaning they want to bring in so that then they can go, well, this is what I would love to do because this is going to meet this, this and this according to my own values, my own life purpose and what I can do to give back to the world. You know, it, it has to start with you. Um, mm. It can't start anywhere else. So thank I mean, that's yeah. a wonderful, wonderful question. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's exactly the situation I was in, making that decision to move from a well-paid job and a geographical move, uh, you know, into self-employment. The only thing I'd say about that is it is important to reflect on that, think about what you want. And and it's important to have that that vision, if you like. But but within that, um, it's also important to understand that sometimes that road to achieving that isn't always a, a straight one. Yes. Yes, many diversions and uh changed mm-hmm. course and detours along the way. So mm-hmm. thank you for that. So I come to the time in the interview, Lorraine, to ask you, what would be your top three can do tips you'd like to share with the audience? Oh, I was dreading this one. I was going to say only three. <laughs> Um, in a way, I suppose it's quite an easy answer because if I can only have three, then I would select the three that underpin the can-do child philosophy. Um, and, and, and I'll just talk those through if I may. Um, so we have three E's that underpin that philosophy, which is engagement, enterprise and enjoyment. And I'll just explain the, the sort of top tip within, within each. Um, so if we take engagement... For parents, 
This is about focusing on engaging with children in playful activities, you know, letting them take the lead, like we've been talking about being, you know, welcoming, welcoming of making mistakes as opportunities for learning and just being there, you know, in the here and now with their children. And as adults, the same applies, connecting or engaging with others, being accepting of mistakes made by both ourselves and, you know, it's important to, um, you know, accept the mistakes we make ourselves, but also those of others and being really present in the here and now and not worrying about what's past or, or what's to come. So that's my one top tip. Uh, the second one is enterprising and the enterprises we, we've just been talking about really is a really important element in the candy child philosophy because it focuses on the the skills and the characteristics which are essential for children to develop and learn you know, as they grow up, all those you know, problem-solving, resourcefulness, having ambition, and so on. And as adults, it's really good to take time out to reflect on these, you know, obviously, particularly if we're parents, but you know, how are we role modeling those skills and those characteristics to our children? When something goes wrong, how do we respond? So taking time out to reflect and to work on those enterprising qualities. That's my second top tip. And finally, enjoyment. Now, in a way, this might sound really self-explanatory, but it's so important within the Candy Child philosophy that both parent and child feel a sense of enjoyment when they're playing together. And I chose enjoyment specifically over excitement because as a parent I know that there can be this huge pressure on us to make sure that when we do spend time with our children that time has to be fun and exciting you know everything has to be exciting and apart from the fact that's not actually especially helpful for children because they come to expect excitement in all of their play it's also a fairly tall order you know if you've been working all day and you've got a meal to prepare and the kids have got homework and all that kind of thing it's a massive order to suddenly put your excited hat on you know so enjoyment is a much more relaxed approach to play where we're not looking for the learning as such but just focused again on the here and now but it could be really simple things like reading together going for a walk you know running a stick along the ground you know that sort of thing and focusing on enjoyment rather than excitement just feels a little bit more manageable and realistic for parents and of course for us as adults, enjoying the everyday is super important. You know, I live very close to a community woodland and I really, really enjoy, I, I help out there as well, um, but I really enjoy taking a walk around that woodland. You know, it's one of the, um, one of the tools in my play toolkit. So making sure, you know, put your own play toolkit together, find those things that bring you joy that make you smile and remembering to have, you know, play in your life, in your life and enjoy that. That's my final top tip. Lovely. Lovely. Bring play into your life. I love that. That's a, a beautiful, you know, I was just hearing you talking about walking through the woods and I was having a conversation just in the car earlier with my husband about a time when he was a child and he got into trouble at school because he got some girls to come over and look at this puddle and then he threw a big stone in it and the mud went all over the little girl and so he got into trouble for that but it was just making me think you know it's the joy that 
jumping in puddles actually is for kids. Mm. And as adults, it's okay, you know, if you get, if you jump in a puddle and you get mud all over you and you get mud all over your friend, because it's fun. It's, it's, you're enjoying, you're you're being in the moment and you're being childlike. And it's just so important to be able to do those things, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's lovely. It really is. So my final question for you today then, Lorraine, is why do you feel a can-do attitude is absolutely essential? Oh, my goodness. I mean, all my work is about helping nurturing children that mindset from a young age. And it focuses, as I've said, on what children can do as opposed to what they can't, you know, building on their strengths to help them reach their potential. And that can-do mindset is about having the confidence and belief in yourself to deal with whatever is going on with your life, whether that's how you approach new learning opportunities, seeing them as an opportunity rather than a problem, being able to focus on solutions to problems rather than just on the actual problem itself. And ultimately, I think having these skills and attitude to deal with, you know, to just to deal with the world that we live in. So from that perspective, it's essential. And the skills and characteristics that go along with it, resourcefulness, resilience, working well with others, you know, they're all crucial in all aspects of our lives as well. What, you know, whatever we're doing, whether we're studying, whether we're in work or in our personal lives. And it's really interesting because I've had a lot of feedback from parents who've said through nurturing their children's candy mindset and skills, they've actually found their own has also developed in a really positive way, which is just wonderful to hear and taking that time to stop and think about how you're going to respond to a situation to work out what you can do rather than focusing on what you can't that's so powerful you know I mean who wouldn't want that in their lives I absolutely get I'm so happy when I get (laughs) to have these kinds of conversations and you and I sing from a very similar song sheet and just that advocacy for something that is a gift to us all about helping people grow that can-do mindset, that approach to life and being aware of who they are, being aware of what they can do, but also being very mindful of creating those boundaries and, and not just jumping into deep water without thinking about some things. But you know, it's, it is such a joy to, to hear the things that you've talked about today, to explore that whole opportunity of curiosity and to, to hear your journey um, to become more of the can-do entrepreneur that you are today than you probably thought you were ever going to be. And, um, and once again, you are shining a bright light for children Um, all over the world but not just them but for your son as well in the work that you do so thank you so much for being my guest today Lorraine it was an absolute pleasure thanks so much for giving the opportunity Gail really appreciate it thank you for listening to today's episode do you live and breathe a can-do attitude have an inspiring perspective a life-changing experience or intriguing story to share Always curious and with an insatiable appetite for a good yarn, I invite you to be my guest. Do get in touch via my website, gailmgibson.com. The Can Do Way podcast, refreshing, positive and real.